From CITI Program, I'm Darren Gaddis, and this is On Campus. Today, a special topic on COVID-19, variants, and higher education institutions. I spoke with Dr. Philip Chan, Associate Professor of Medicine and Associate Professor of Behavioral and Social Science at Brown University. As a reminder, this podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not intended to provide legal advice or guidance. You should consult with your organization's attorneys if you have questions or concerns about relevant laws and regulations in this podcast. Additionally, the views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the presenter. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. What is COVID-19 and what do we need to know about variants such as Delta and Omicron? So COVID-19 is coronavirus 2019. It's caused by a virus called SARS-CoV-2, Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome, Coronavirus 2. There's actually number one that uh, caused some, a global problem uh, a number of years ago. But SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, uh, is the cause of the current pandemic. When we talk about variants and when we look at this virus, uh, all viruses, many viruses, change over time. Some of those changes have little impact on how a virus can infect a person, and some have great impact. And what we're seeing with COVID-19 is a number of variants emerge that, in fact, are more infectious, potentially cause more severe disease, uh, and are able to be transmitted among people more easily. Thank you for that great information. Really thinking about that, what is the difference between the Delta and Omicron variants of COVID-19. So when we look at the Delta and the Omicron variants of COVID-19, these are two variants that have emerged over 2021 uh, here across the world. Uh, The Delta variant first uh, was recognized in various parts uh, of the world uh, and it quickly became the predominant strain across uh, many different countries. And what we knew about the Delta virus is that it was more infectious than previous variants. And if you think about how variants evolve over time, it does make sense, unfortunately, that as viruses evolve, it is to their evolutionary benefit to be more infectious. And that is what we saw with the Delta variant. And that is what we see and have seen so far with the Omicron variants of COVID-19. Now, the thing also is that over time, we are hopeful that some of these variants evolve to cause less severe disease. Because as we talk about evolutionary benefits of these variants uh, of SARS-CoV-2, it is also to the evolutionary benefits of these viruses uh, to cause less severe disease, meaning there is no benefit to killing the host. So a lot of us uh, are optimistic that over time, we will see these variants cause less severe disease. The Omicron uh, was the latest variant. Many of us also expect in the future that we will see other variants due to COVID-19. And that is why uh, here in the United States, certainly in other countries, is we need robust surveillance systems, including the sequencing of different virus uh, variants to be able to see what is circulating, what is emerging, and importantly, how these variants affect our available treatments, including vaccines. That's a lot of information that I didn't know. Should the general public be concerned about these variants? We should all be concerned about these variants that are emerging in related to COVID-19. As we've seen with the Delta variant, these variants can be more infectious uh, and can lead to a greater degree of uh, sickness, hospitalizations, 
uh, as well as deaths, unfortunately. And that's what's concerning about the Omicron variant as well, is that it has the potential, of course, to be more infectious, to cause still significant disease. And one thing that all of us in public health and in the clinical world worry about is that just by the sheer number of people being infected, is it has the capacity to overwhelm our healthcare systems. And that's what we've seen in certain parts of the country over time, is that our hospitals, our clinics are becoming uh, over capacity, at capacity, during these peaks of COVID-19. And so if we talk about different mitigation measures, things that we're doing, the importance of being vaccinated, the importance of masking, uh, it's to protect, of course, individuals and people who are most vulnerable from COVID-19, from dying and being severely ill. It's also meant to protect our healthcare system and our hospitals from reaching that maximum capacity point. Because when that happens, people also start to have bad outcomes and die from other things. And many of you have probably seen in the news uh, during the last several months and when uh, COVID peaks, is that sometimes people who are having a heart attack, for example, uh, or other serious uh, medical condition that needs timely attention, that these people may have to drive you know, hundreds of miles in order to seek uh, emergent care. And so that is what we're trying to avoid with some of these measures, with uh, certainly the vaccines. And the vaccines are effective. And what's been reassuring, even with the emergence of these variants, is that the vaccines still have retained, to a large degree, uh, their effectiveness. We've seen that come down a little bit with the Omicron variant. But the good news is, is that a significant amount of protection can be restored with vaccines by getting that booster dose. So many experts across the country uh, really believe, uh, Dr. Fauci, uh, others believe that we really need that booster dose to achieve full protection uh, against emerging variants. Knowing that information, how do variants impact college campuses? There's been a number of settings during the pandemic that have really been challenging. And one of those includes uh, college campuses. And this has been a theme throughout the pandemic and certainly uh, during the current time as well. The issue with college campuses is that a large number of the students, of course, live uh, inside in smaller enclosed spaces uh, together. And as we've learned during the pandemic is when people congregate together in smaller enclosed spaces, unfortunately, is that's when we can see outbreaks and a higher rate of transmission of SARS-CoV-2. So college campuses uh, especially have been a uh, area of concern. Uh, I do think in most areas of the United States, colleges and universities have really stepped up. Uh, in our region, we've worked with our colleges and universities. They've been very receptive uh, to different uh, COVID mitigation. Uh, and, but it's really been a setting that a lot of public health and a lot of attention has focused on. And of course, in younger adults, we know that uh, uh, fortunately, that COVID tends to cause less severe disease. And we know, of course, that a lot of time there's a lot of disinhibition that occurs among college students. And that's something that's always happened and continues to happen. And it's normal and natural, uh, but also raises the uh, potential uh, for transmission at times, especially, of course, when alcohol is involved. But again, I have been reassured uh, that a lot of college and universities have stepped up, both in the form of frequent testing, in terms of requiring uh, vaccination, uh, physical distancing. A lot of schools have gone virtual. And I think what we're seeing in our early experiences with the Omicron variant is that it is more infectious and we are seeing it really potentially uh, affect college campuses, students uh, especially, 
because of the propensity for it to spread, especially indoors. So it's something uh, that is going to be of increasing concern, especially as we see some of these emerging variants like Omicron that are spread more easily, especially in uh, smaller indoor settings. Thinking about returning to campus and the upcoming semesters, should the general public anticipate more variants of concern in the future? Unfortunately, I do think that the general public should anticipate more variants of concern in the future. I think we've seen this uh, first with the Alpha variant, then with the Delta variant, and now, unfortunately, with the Omicron variant. Again, this is normal and natural, unfortunately, uh, for viruses to evolve over time. Again, many of us are hoping that uh, SARS-CoV-2 will evolve uh, to be less severe. Uh, Again, there's also... Uh, people may know there's also a number of other coronaviruses out there that are really responsible for the common cold. It was a bit surprising to see SARS-CoV-2, which is one of these coronaviruses, cause such severe disease when we've known about coronaviruses for decades and most of them cause very mild uh, disease. But moving forward into the future, unfortunately, uh, I, I do expect, many of us do expect to see more variants of concern which is why I think we're all learning that balance of how to live uh, with, these, uh, uh, with, these, with this pandemic that's ongoing. Fortunately, though, again, the vaccines are effective. The vaccine manufacturers, and especially the mRNA, mRNA vaccines, are vaccines that can be easily adaptable to variants. And that's one thing I want to highlight, is that the mRNA vaccines uh, uh, can generally be adjusted. And I know at this uh, point in time, is that the manufacturers are working uh, on their vaccines to be able to address the Omicron variant and others. So uh, while people should be concerned uh, in general, while we need a robust public health system to really be on the lookout for these variants, uh, I am optimistic that our currently available treatments and vaccines do work. Uh, But again, it's something we'll, uh, we'll have to watch for the future. If there's one thing during this pandemic that we've all learned, it's that we have no idea what to expect in the future. So uh, it's the science of, is evolving, the science on variants is evolving, and uh, a, a little bit of flexibility by all of us, I think, will go a long way. With these potential future variants of concern, how will the pandemic continue to impact institutions of higher education? And in your opinion, how can these institutions mitigate risk of exposure? I think given that colleges and universities uh, tend to uh, be in smaller enclosed spaces, I do think, unfortunately, that the pandemic, the virus SARS-CoV-2, will continue uh, to impact especially these institutes of higher education. Again, I do think that a lot of uh, colleges and universities have stepped up. I think the things uh, that uh, the institutions should consider are things that we know work against SARS-CoV-2 that we had known have been work and have evolved over time against this virus. These includes vaccination, really one of the best ways to protect a person as well as a group against SARS-CoV-2 infection and transmission. So being vaccinated and importantly against these emerging variants is making sure you get the booster. Masking when you're indoor in smaller and closed settings and especially when uh, the community background is high. And no one really enjoys wearing a mask, of course. Uh, but when the community uh, burden levels of SARS-CoV-2 are high, it makes sense, of course, to mask when you're indoors in smaller enclosed spaces. And I think it's something that's relatively simple to do that will allow, for example, classes to continue in person. 
And then other things that we've also learned that can mitigate uh, SARS-CoV-2 transmission, and that includes physical distancing. It includes looking at ventilation, making sure uh, that uh, classrooms and other buildings are well ventilated, that you have the number of air exchanges per minute that's uh, needed, that you have adequate filtration systems. It includes frequent testing, uh, certainly, again, when levels in the community may be high. And it also includes for people who have symptoms, making sure they get tested. And I think all of us doing our part that if anyone has symptoms, not showing up for school or work. And altogether, this is what we know works to prevent SARS-CoV-2 and something that uh, institutions of higher education can do to mitigate risks of transmission. What else do we need to know? I remain optimistic about us addressing the COVID pandemic. I am optimistic the vaccines continue and do work. Uh, I'm optimistic that we have advances in testing, that testing uh, here in the United States is looking to ramp up so people will be able to do this at home. I'm optimistic that there's a number of treatments uh, that work against this virus, and that includes monoclonal antibodies. It includes steroids if people get sick enough and has to be hospitalized. And it also, uh, I'm optimistic about these oral medications and pills uh, that treat people with COVID. So I think that there's a lot to be optimistic for. I think we're still adjusting as a society, uh, as college campuses and institutes of higher education. Uh, we're still learning to live with this and balance the importance of working uh, and teaching and learning uh, with learning to do this safely. So I'm optimistic that we're going to get there. I know it's been a very challenging time for so many uh, but I do believe that we will get there uh, in the very near future. Dr. Chan, thank you for joining me today. Thank you very much for having me. Be sure to follow, like, and subscribe to On Campus with CITI program to stay in the know. I also invite you to review our content offerings regularly as we are continually adding new courses and webinars that may be of interest to you. All of our content is available to you anytime through organizational and individual subscriptions. You may also be interested in CITI Program's Health Privacy HIPAA course. Please visit the CITI Program's website to learn more about all of our offerings.